You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in today on America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And this is going to be a classic show today. So we've picked a topic. In fact, uh, Steve Ronaldo picked the topic. And uh, he's going to – I'm going to introduce our guest, which is Stanley Turner Esquire. And uh, the reason we have an attorney in here is that the subject – uh, he's an expert on it, and um, the subject is going to be very interesting. And if uh, you're listening for the first time or you're there by yourself, call your friends that are in the classic car hobby. And this show will be so unique that we will be archiving it uh Monday, and it will be aired over and over again because it's so important, and uh, it's becoming more important almost daily. So with that being said, I'm going to turn the uh, introduction over, or the reason for the show, over to Steve Ronaldo. Yeah, uh, the reason that we're doing this is very recently I've had a couple friends pass away, and and... It's kind of interesting. What do you do with your car collection? Now, one is very complicated. One of the guys is worth a lot of money, and I mean a lot of money. He has his own foundation and all of this stuff, and he passed away sort of unexpectedly at over 300 cars in his collection. Uh, The problem is, even he had a foundation manager, they can't find a will. They cannot find a will. Okay, let the battles begin. And it is. Secondly, a very good friend of mine died, and he has probably 25 cars, and some of them are very, very expensive classics. I would guess uh, car collection valued somewhere between 3 and $5 million. Now his wife has to deal with this stuff. Um uh, and myself too. I, you know, I, I never thought about this. You don't see this is a topic that you. What you know, we're all going to croak, right? <laughs> so how do I prepare this stuff? If I've got a lot of cars, tools, equipment, uh, literature, all of this stuff that has a, a fairly good value, what should I do? You know, I'm in my mid seventies. So so what should I be doing to get ready for this? Number one. Values. Two, I don't want to leave leave my wife with a whole bunch of unanswered questions, and she walks out in the garage and says, "Well, hell, what's that thing worth?" I don't have any idea. So we have a, a Dave was nice enough to arrange a, a, a attorney to come in who specializes in estates and estates planning, and hopefully, because you know, you look around, there's so many people in this car hobby with big collections and they're worth a lot of money and nobody a lot of people don't think about this until (laughs) number one it's way too late (laughs) so we have stanley turner uh an attorney here in the in the building where the radio show a radio station is so we'll let stanley introduce himself and his background and and stuff and then we'll start asking some questions thank you steve thank you for that uh 
that introduction, and David, thank you for uh, inviting me to be on your show today. Uh, those are two interesting scenarios that you have uh, painted as far as the you know situation. One is more typical than the other. Um, but getting back to what you said, I'll, I'll first talk about myself a little bit before I talk about situations. Also, give me time to think about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been given uh, a lot of information about this, and uh, just like whenever someone comes into my office for a consultation, it's kind of like, "Well, tell me about your situation. Uh, you know, what's it going to do?" And I, you know, I, one thing I was sure about that this wasn't going to be about hot cars. So I, I'm not a criminal attorney. I don't do criminal law. These are we, these are cars for for people that there's l- lots of like open names own. in Washington for you. <laughs> That's where I was born, and I got away from there. Uh, and, and getting back to myself, I, I was born in Washington, D.C., and uh, grew up there and uh, uh, lived through a lifetime there before I moved to Atlanta of a lot of, of uh, you know, differences in the way that the world the outlook of the world in uh, in that part of our country and this part, Atlanta, and I, I hate to say it, uh, but I'm uh, I'm an Atlantan now. I, I don't have uh, my roots in Washington D.C., though that's where the area where my my father's buried, and uh, I owe a lot to to him and him coming to this country and instilling with me the uh, well, first of all, giving our family the opportunity to be. On uh, on the air today, uh, I, if I wasn't a lawyer, I wouldn't have been invited on the show to talk about this uh, situation. If my father hadn't instilled in me the values that he wanted me to to carry on as as his legacy, I would uh, I would probably not have uh, chosen law. That being said, uh, being in Atlanta. Uh, I've I've gone to law school here, and I've lived here for the last forty some, probably forty seven years, and uh, I'm not a spring chicken, but uh, I've I've been practicing for most of the time I've been in Atlanta and grown up with the city. Uh, as far as my experience with cars are concerned. Uh, I probably have a question for you, Steve. At the end, <laughs> how long do I have to keep my 2007 Buick Lucerne to be for it to become an antique for someone to want to? Years old and older. Okay, well, I've got 12 more years to go. <laughs> I keep it in tip-top shape, though. Uh, now, as far as uh, getting into legacies and the things that we're here talking about. Uh, I don't know exactly the situations that you've you've uh, referred to in in the uh, situations that you've described, uh, but my being a probate and a state lawyer means that I practice in the probate courts of the state, primarily in the Fulton County probate court, in which I am a. Uh, uh, on the panel of guardian ad litems, which means I'm a court-appointed attorney representing estates in which there are problems. It's kind of like being a special prosecutor in uh, certain other courts, or oftentimes it's just being a protector of individuals whose rights are uh, need to be represented. Now, 
Uh, you know, that being said, I see a lot of the of the you know, let's say the darker side of estates where people make mistakes and don't make the right choices in planning for their succession and planning for uh, what what I call their legacies. Um, I, uh, I I'm I'm still thinking over what you talked about the foundation. Can you tell me more about the foundation? I, I can't really in that particular one. But let, all right, let, uh, the, just I'll pick myself at my age. All right, I've got eight antique cars and and stuff now. And the other guy, a good friend of mine, just died with that real nice collection of uh, of cars. I talked to a friend of mine, and he said, "In one of the things that you should do is to have a disinterested appraiser come and have an appraised value of we're just sticking with the car part uh, of these cars. So if you if you even before, uh, if you you give them away, say you're going to give them to your grand, give one to your grandkids and one to Uncle Billy over here, and he start, you have to claim the value, I guess, on somehow on when you die, which you're giving away, and they have to claim the value somehow that they received what it's worth. If you go to sell it, I like I said, if I left these to my wife, she would be looking and say. I have no idea what this stuff is worth. So she's going to sell them. At least that gives her a place to start. And if it's going to be given away in a will and claimed and all of this other stuff, to me that makes perfectly good sense. You need to start with a baseline. And I think the appraisal, to me, is the baseline. I don't know what your thoughts are on something like that. Owning a collection is is like owning a business. If you went into business... And I'm a probate lawyer, but I've, I've represented businesses, and and that's why I'm using this analogy, because probate happens when you die, uh, or the need to to look at that aspect of, you know, your, your estate, which your estate is the fixed amount of titled and untitled property that you own and claims that you have against others at the time of your death. And and it's it's a moving target to a certain extent. So when you're in business, you start the year January 1st and you have an inventory of whatever your business does or you have a list of assets if uh if you you know if you are selling cars you have a list of cars on your lot that you uh you know have various uh, agreements to or 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 you know uh, times that you've purchased it and the time that you purchased it that's the value your original inventory price that you have and then when you come to sell it your profit is going to be determined by a lot of factors how long you've stored it what you've put into refurbishing it or maintaining it uh and and your your selling of that vehicle will have the price whether you take a loss on it or whether you have a gain well in looking at a collection you have uh, you know if you treat it like a business too, you have costs associated with the vehicles also that you may want to have that collection 
uh, in a situation where the cost of storing it become part of the basis of the cost of the vehicle that you originally purchased, if you can associate that to the storage of it and so forth. At the end of the day, though, when you pass away, and your wife is left with, well, what am I going to do? What do I do if, if I sell it? Well, hopefully it'll be worth a lot of money when you sell it. If she gets it, if she takes it into her name, uh, there may be a stepped-up basis that whatever it's worth, if you paid $5,000 for it, and at the time of your your death, you get it appraised again, you, you know, it's okay to get it appraised. It's good to get it appraised now you have you know what the value is you know what you want to and you have to insure it for if you want to protect it against the loss you have documents you have papers you know you're protected against you know fire you know if you're if you're uh, housing the car in a in someone's garage you want to make sure they have insurance or you have additional insurance to cover that value but when you have that car in an estate the stepped-up basis that would go if it is inherited by your wife or by by a relative kind of makes the value that you purchased it for irrelevant, except if the, the value of your estate at the time that you pass away exceeds the death tax threshold. Sure. Hey, we're going to take a break. Can we come right back and finish? Sure. Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And I want to take uh, just a quick moment to thank all of the folks that have become patrons of uh, America's Web Radio. And you can become a patron, get our newsletter and so forth. Uh, every month, just go to our homepage, americaswebradio.com, and click on Become a Patriot. and uh, Or not a patriot, but a patron. And uh, we'll be glad to... Uh, get you on our list and we've got other exciting things going on with uh stuckies when i say the name stuckies people across the country have a memory and a smile comes on everybody's face because everybody remembers stuckies as a kid and they're still out there and they're doing fantastic so we'll be back with our guest stanley turner esquire and What's the opposite of Esquire? We've got Steve Ronaldo. He's just a a, a greasehead. <laughs> but anyway, we've got uh, we've got a great show going on. We'll be back. Call your friends and tell them about what we're talking about: wills and trusts and estates. And it's a fantastic to- topic. And I want to thank Steve for coming up with the idea. We'll be back right after this. McAllister's Auto Transport is a privately held company celebrating our 75th anniversary this November, specializing in enclosed-only transportation to the OEM, personal snowbird market, and our favorite market of all is the collector market. Give us a call at 800-748-3160. Or you can reach us on the web at McCollisters.com. And that's M-C-C-O-L-L-I-S-T-E-R-S.com. Large enough to handle all of your transportation needs. Small enough to provide you the old town, old school service that you come to expect when you're moving your baby.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Join me live every Tuesday at 1500 for the best in gun news, gun products, and gun politics. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. I've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to America's Web Radio and the Classic Car Show. And our special guest today, Stanley Turner, Esquire. And uh, I've known Stan for, gosh, it's going on probably uh, 12 years now. When you talk about the other building and this building, and I've been here for six. So anyway, uh, Stan is an attorney, and he specializes in something that we all need because there is the inevitable, and that's estate planning and uh, wills and estate, uh, all the things that have to do with the state to take care and protect your family. And uh, at some point, we're all going to need a will. So, we're talking about collections, car collections, and uh, folks that did and don't have wills and what to do with their uh, collections. So, back to you, Steve. Okay, so we can we, we sort of agree that appraisal. I'm just keep. I'm trying to keep in the car car. The appraisal of your of your antique car or cars should be done. You know, in planning and, and like you said, estate planning. Correct. That Steve, I know that value. you know about this. So, where do you get that appraiser and how do you judge good or bad or where, well, where do you find out the reputation okay there's 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 two big appraisal networks ivan international vehicle appraiser network and there's another one and it's very easy to find um if you went in and just did a google search for antique uh antique car appraisals there's another big one there these two are all over the country yeah, I think we had we had uh, one on yeah, the Yeah, we did. We've had one from Ivan. Uh, we we had had one from from Ivan on there, and 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 I think that's that's I don't know, but that to me seems like a logical starting point with this. Also, I would I would ask a question of uh, appraisal, uh, you know, expert. Have your appraisals been questioned by the IRS in the states? Uh, because you know what you're going to want to do is have you know a, an appraisal, let's say uh, inter vivos appraisal, you know while living, and then if you have an estate, whether you don't have a will, you have a will, you have a trust, whatever uh, that property, whatever type of entity that property is in. After the death of the individual that owns it or has the equitable interest in the in the entity that the vehicle is in, that vehicle is going to have to be appraised as the after death post mortem uh, value of of the vehicle, and that's where you get into uh, is that appraiser uh, 
his methodology acceptable to yes. the Internal Revenue Service in in a uh, you know a tax situation. If if someone has a large estate, you know if they have three hundred cars, they're probably going to have a a large estate beyond the cars. Yeah, sure. There, that's only a small portion of these right. Kind of stuff. So so I mean you have you have large right. estates that you know you're, you're going to get beyond the eleven point five eight you know death threshold you know currently in in federal tax and you have everything below that you know which doesn't have death taxes but you do have uh, accumulated gift taxes during your lifetime that play into how a person's estate is established and what is involved and and it, you don't have to have uh physical property when you die to have that threshold you could have 10 million dollars in life insurance which becomes part of your estate if you have five million dollars in in fixed assets and you go hey that's great you know i'm not going to pay any death taxes but you have tremendous life insurance adds up yeah that that adds into it and then you have you know situations that you have to look at well what am i going to do about that paying taxes and you know 40 45 percent uh you know of whatever is over that threshold you know do i want to do that or you know how do i how do i get around that yeah, well, these guys, it, it, that's why you pick a certified appraiser. These guys, they go they go to court, they do all kinds of stuff. It, uh, you, it's, it's quite a, a, a deal to, to, they get called in as witnesses and stuff, and they're certified, and they're sort of licensed even to do that, and they're very well respected, these people. May I ask a question right quick? I guess of both of you, really, but stand so... I've had the appraisal. I croak. The family has the appraisal in front of them, but it, they need another one for the, like you said, postmortem. So, do you go back to the same appraiser, or do you have to get a new one or another one? Uh, the the key phrase that attorneys always say is, "It depends," <laughs> because it really depends who you have chosen to be the personal representative of your estate and what instructions you've given in your estate plan for that to be managed because you want to make it as easy as possible for your succession by having a will or trust and appointing someone who's knowledgeable about your estate. And if your car collection is that important to you, Knowledgeable about the management of your car collection, and it may not be your wife. You know, you may feel that she she'll be slighted, but you would say, "Listen, honey, I, you know, have all intentions for you, and if you're listening to me, you're going to understand why I'm appointing, uh, you know, you know, my buddy who knows cars and has this, and he's gone through this to manage my estate because, first of all, I trust him." He'll he has assets and he's and he's and he's bonded and we don't have to worry about him uh, doing anything that he shouldn't be doing, but he knows how to dispose of of property like this. And the key thing in this situation is after the person is appointed, they go they get it appraised because they have to be representing the estate to have the authority to have this appraisal done or, or or to come up with the the process that the court if a court's going to be involved or if it's going to have to be approved by um, you know the IRS or, or at least run by the IRS as part of 
you're you're filing your your tax statement in, a, in an estate. This is more for big collections. I mean, the average guy with just uh, you know a Corvette and a Model A Ford doesn't probably have to do all of that kind of stuff. If it's very small. Well, I it, wouldn't think. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, it depends who he wants to leave his 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 cars to, because you know what I've I've described is kind of the 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 process in in you know from the standpoint of a personal representative and their liability to the estate and the beneficiaries to protect the estate looking at it from the beneficiary standpoint if you have cars and you say in my will I want to leave my uh, 1957 Corvette to uh, you know my brother uh, Max and uh, you know he's not going to want to get it appraised. I mean, he, he, he probably will want to get it appraised himself if he wants to to sell it. Uh, the representative of the estate will, will kind of figure out, well, this goes to him regardless of what it's worth. The only situation that it won't go to him is if the estate is indebted and I have to find assets of the estate to pay off the debts of the estate oh, really? first before oh, I didn't know that. before the that process is completed. So nothing gets passed through the estate, none of these cars or whatever, until the taxes are first taken care of. Otherwise, whatever would have been passed through the estate, the liability for the estate goes to the person who receives the property to the extent of that property. So let's say the estate is indebted for $100,000 and somehow the that 1957 Corvette which is worth $50,000 is passed to to uh, to Max and Max goes, "Oh boy, I got this great car and this and that." But it turns out that the uh, there's a lien, there's an IRS lien that uh, the personal representative or somehow the Department of Motor Vehicles changed the title to the vehicle without checking the affidavit that would be required by a next of kin to attempt to change the title of a vehicle without a will or without an estate being opened, which in in case in Georgia can occur, and it happens all the time. But the, the the thing about it, when that vehicle, it, uh, that title to the vehicle passes, unless it's done through an estate that's that is, you know, eventually closed and approved by the court, or through a trust that is, uh, you know, set up, you know, uh, you know, unless the mechanics of it are done properly, the person receiving that property is does it at his own peril. Because the property would have strings attached to it, whether or not there's a lien on the vehicle, you can't. In Georgia, it's complicated. Darn right. Yeah, very, very complicated. I, I'm trying to make you aware that it's better, and to go back to what we talked about, the beforehand, the in life portion, the inner vivos portion. Of, of your estate and that's making a list of everything that's making a list of everything on one side what's titled what's not titled and everything else you have that's you know furniture and this and that and who you want to give it to what you want to do with it and then on the other hand you look at what debts you have and it's 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 like 
um, you know, a, a floating, uh, you know, balance sheet that you have. You're paying down your debts. You got this property. While you're in life, you make the decisions on what you want to keep and what you want to sell and what's important to you and what you're, you know, you're not going to part with. This this is the last one I sell before, you know, uh, you know, I die. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have that always. But what you do is you plan, uh, plan ahead. Some people plan ahead when they have millions and millions of dollars and put it into uh, put their property in an irrevocable trust, which means that they lose control over it themselves, but it's not subject to pay their debts, their personal debts that they incur from that point on, except under certain circumstances. Uh, and, and it's not that easy to do because you don't you don't have for, foreseeable failures. I mean, if you put everything you own that's in stocks into a, a irrevocable trust and it goes down in value, boy, uh, you know it's it's not going to be uh, you're not going to feel too comfortable about that. But on the other hand, if you have a lot of debts or you have a business that suddenly folds up and you have no way to get at those assets you put in an irrevocable trust, you're going to be sorry you did that. So most people stay away from that. They, If they want to have a trust, to give them certain protections that they don't have in in you know in a uh, in a, in a normal sense. I mean, a, a trust is kind of like a business where you put your property in another entity. It makes it that much more difficult for someone to get at your assets or the distributees, the beneficiaries of your your trust. Uh, you know, for someone to get at that and follow the course of things that that go to the benefit of the people you want to leave things to uh, you you have a situation that you have to plan ahead you know make that list decide how you want to do it I kind of look at I don't know if if you if you you know what kind of sports you play but I look at um, you know probate in estates kind of like as as playing baseball you have nine players you have each one has a position that they play you have a pitcher you have a, a hitter uh, sometimes you're the pitcher sometimes you're the hitter sometimes you're the catcher sometimes you're on first second third or 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 or, or whatever but the end result is when you're on third you want to score you want and and there's maybe eight ways that you generally can score from third you know pass ball wild pitch balk home run uh stealing home you know whatever when you have an estate there are about eight different ways that you handle what it is that you have when you die it's like you're on third and and if you want to prepare yourself the most for for that probability you assess what you have and what you need to have when you pass away, or not even when you pass away, when you become incapacitated, when you can't handle your own affairs anymore, you want to look at having someone represent you who's going to be stepping in for you and do what you want to do, either while you're you're incapacitated, incapacitated for a short period of time, if that's the situation, or for the duration to protect that asset and also first to take into account what your needs are which is 
you know what all of us you know as we get older have to have to assess and who's going to take care of us so Stan, can i can i interrupt you for one second am i pounding uh, on the table again okay no no uh as you were speaking i'm i'm wondering how much uh, like i was telling steve and i've gone through it a couple of times now that where you die is where your will is probated, and uh, the county and so forth and so on. No, it doesn't matter if you own property in Texas or any place else. Though your will is probated in the county in which you die. End of statement. Is that correct? And my other question is that you can answer both of them: is when you die, the intermingling of federal and state, or, or, or when you're talking, are we going by federal laws, or are we going by state laws, or are they combined? Or great question, great question. Because uh, you know, I love having diversity questions. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, if you know someone that needs to be represented and they have an estate in Pango Pango. Uh, or something, but they died in Georgia. I'll love to start the probate of the estate here in Georgia and then go with the family members that I'm representing to Pango Pango for about a couple weeks to 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 uh, to set up the ancillary estate there under hopefully under American laws. Um, but to answer the first part of your question is you live in Fulton County, Georgia, you pass away in Fulton County, Georgia normally under most circumstances that's where you probate the will the uh, difficult thing about that is what if you don't own any property here what if you just moved here from out of state and you own property in texas and uh, you know you you spent your whole life in harris county and you've got uh, you know uh, your your heirs there, and you and and a lot of things going on there. But you just moved here because you moved in with a family member, or you were in a in a uh, retirement community, and you passed. Um, well, normally you file for a probate and open up a probate in the county that you pass away in. In this case, it would be the probate court of Fulton County if you had to probate a will or you had to open an estate. However, wherever you own property, you can probate a will. So if you have a will that's uh, in the state of Georgia, uh, that was entered in the state of Georgia, you may want to probate it in in uh, in Harris County, or you know the safer thing to do and the easier thing to do is to go to where uh, your whoever is is going to be managing your estate feels that it's it's easiest to get the will approved because you can get it approved in the county that you reside in by the probate court judge. Uh, slam dunk, every, get everyone to acknowledge service, you're approved. If things need to be taken care of in Fulton County, that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, that's the place that you live. You established your, 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 your home there. In certain situations, you don't even have to go to, uh, the out of state jurisdiction that you have property in because certain states have reciprocity and they allow you to 
uh, without getting a further order of the court appointing a representative of the estate to be able to sign a deed over to real property or sign titles to titled vehicles if, if they needed to it. You can just have a personal representative by reciprocity, uh, by by full faith and credit given to the order of the probate court in Fulton County to allow that representative called the personal representative if, if you're appointed to represent an estate, whether you're an executor or an administrator. An administrator, you don't have a, you you die without a will. An executor, if you do have a will, to be able to sign over that property. In another state, Georgia has reciprocity with surrounding states like, like, uh, um, like South Carolina, Florida, Alabama. Uh, so you have, uh, you don't have to do an ancillary probate. Uh, in in certain situations, you do want to do that because you may want to have a local attorney involved because the uh, the way that estates are approved and the expenses of the estate are determined differ from state to state uh, and, and meaning personal representatives that represent an estate get paid in Georgia uh, unless the will states differently or the trust states differently uh, actually trusts do have different amounts but under a will a personal representative gets two and a half percent of the assets that go into an estate and two and a half percent of the assets that go out so if you have an estate worth a thousand dollars hundred thousand dollars just to pick a figure the 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 minimum fee that that personal representative is going to get is $5,000. They can petition for additional fees for extraordinary services, you know, in in sure. certain situations. In different states, they have different fee structures. So a personal representative who's representing in a state in Georgia may choose, well, you know, I want to go to Florida and do it because in Florida, personal representative may get Ten percent or twelve percent of, of an estate, or even a percentage. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not licensed to practice in Florida, but I'm just, uh, you know, giving you some idea that that sometimes comes into play when you leave it unsaid and unspoken with how you want things to be managed. And the better practice to do if you have property all over the place is to set up a trust because when you have a trust the idea of the trust is to put all your property into the trust so that when you die there's a successor trustee that's appointed to administer your trust and if you've done it completely put all your property to be put into the trust before you die there isn't even a need or a requirement that you need to file your will or have it probated if it's been filed meaning there's a difference in filing a will and probating a will i'm sorry i'm beating because i'm Pricing my karate chops on David's <laughs> desk here. Uh, can I? You have a board or something? I, no, excuse me. Oh, gloves. Uh, yes, yeah, gloves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know the the point is, and and there's a whole world, a universe uh, of things to discuss when it comes to probate. And I know uh, I'm I'm trying to 
answer I your question specifically. So, so what I'm getting out of this is, is, and I have a question to go along with this, um, if, if you have, you know, I, I don't know what is, the first question is, the average guy, and I and will sort of leave, that has a, a $200,000 house, has most everything paid for, has 50000 in the bank, has a 401k of 100000 a couple cars. Is it necessary for them to do a lot of this planning other than to have a will? Or are we talking, are, are we just talking general population or are we talking about people with a, let's just pick a number, a value of a million dollars or more, should it for sure look into doing this? You know, I, 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 you start seeing, and I'm just thinking about the, the, like I said, the average guy has a nice small house, has a, one Model A Ford, uh, you know, and he's not killing himself, and, you know, he's not in debt, and, you know, the average person in their 70s, the average guy, average family. It, a lot of it depends on one who they want to leave it to. Normal, Pete. Normal stuff. You leave okay. it to your wife. Okay. okay. Well, uh, in Georgia, it's a very interesting state because they have what uh, other states might say is an archaic way of doing things, and I look at it as a favor way of doing things. When you have a spouse and you die and leave your a spouse as your sole heir, uh, boy, is it easy to, um, to do an estate like you're talking about. You know, first of all, if you're employed, you have 401k plans and life insurance yeah. and things like that, and the terms of those, those uh, instruments will usually require that you leave it to your spouse, and you can't even change that without her consent. So if, in fact, that's all you had and you passed away, spouse doesn't have to do anything. You know, you wouldn't have it's to do done. It. It's done, right. And if your house was set up in a deed with uh, joint survivorship uh, or, you know, joint tenants sure. with right of survivorship, that's done. You just need to do an affidavit and put it on the, 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 uh, the county uh, records. That's done. The the house is by law in the name of the surviving spouse, and it's her. You know, then she has to do something with it. She has to drop a will, or or you know, I I I think even if the the first to die didn't have to do anything, the second person needs to be aware, especially if they remarry and they have kids that are going to come into play later on and you're going to have uh, a you know a situation where the second husband is not related except that there are stepkids to him and and you and you as the survive your surviving spouse wants to protect their stepkids but getting back to you in leaving or, or getting back to someone leaving it to I hate pick on you because I'm I'm you know getting back to me if I was leaving it to my wife it's nothing. Uh, you know, it, 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 it can be, and it really depends upon your debt structure. Um, okay. We're going to take a break and be come right back. Is that all right? Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby, 
that I've been part of for years. Not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. McAllister's Auto Transport is a privately held company celebrating our 75th anniversary this November, specializing in enclosed-only transportation to the OEM, personal snowbird market, and our favorite market of all is the collector market. Give us a call at 800-748-3160, or you can reach us on the web at McAllister's.com, and that's M C C O. L-L-I-S-T-E-R-S dot com. Large enough to handle all of your transportation needs, small enough to provide you the old town, old school service that you come to expect when you're moving your baby. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. David, before we get back in, I have an announcement to make for AAC members. If you don't know, the Hershey Car Show has been moved. It's not going to be in Hershey on the typical weekend in October because of dealing with the state of of Pennsylvania, Herco Corporation, and all this stuff. They've moved it to November 7th in Gettysburg. Just so you can go to AACA.org and get all the information. Now, a lot of people are planning, we're planning, I know, planning to go to Hershey, uh, but that that uh, has gotten moved to November. So if that was in your planning program for upcoming events, go to AACA.org and check it out because it's not where you think it's going to be or when it's going to be anymore. Uh, Mr. Moskowitz called me yesterday and told me so. Um, Anyway, that's all the, you know, that stuff. Go ahead. Gettysburg. Yeah. Uh, when I was in high school, my baseball coach got me an offer for a grant to play baseball at Gettysburg. It's uh, a great place. Oh, I love it. I love Gettysburg. I ended up going to the University of Maryland, though. And uh, maybe I, I kind of regret it, you know, not going to a small smaller school, going to a a, a bigger state school, you you kind of uh, you know it's, it's a lot another more world. Girls though today. Well, <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, getting back to what I was saying, uh, in Georgia you have it's not really archaic, it's not antiquated, it's 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 very powerful, uh, a very powerful tool in a state's called a year's support, where a wife if she is left. Uh, you know, to left needy, she she has the right to ask the court to have the property of the estate set aside to a certain extent, to have that property given to her free and clear of of 
the other debts of the estate. Of course, if you are asking for property to be set aside that's encumbered, uh, you can't require the court to transfer that property uh, to have the lender uh, accept you if you're the transferee of the property. Uh, without their consent, so you'd want to get their consent that if you get the property transferred into your name, they will be amenable to doing that under the uh, the year support award. Uh, otherwise, you would have to sell it. And uh, and you know, if you're the surviving spouse, generally they do that. There's not uh, uh, you know they're not going to. Uh, it would be bad policy to evict a surviving spouse from an encumbered home that is transferred under a year's support award. Uh, a car might be a different story, though. If you have a, a vehicle, a lease would be a, definitely a different story, a lease that you don't own any interest in. But that that is a way that when there's debts of the estate, let's say there's a lot of credit card debt and there are uh, there's some money in the bank, that would otherwise be used to pay that that credit card debt back if you opened an estate because the executive the excuse me the personal representative of an estate an administrator of an estate uh, if there's no year support claim that precedes paying off other creditors is bound to pay debts of the estate first before he distributes the property to any beneficiaries. And no beneficiary can claim or demand to be paid any property from an estate for the first six months that a, uh, an, uh, an administrator's uh, appointed because they have to have the opportunity to sort out and discover what debts there are of the estate. And if there are known debts of the estate and he and he distributes property out of the estate to a beneficiary or an heir, that administrator is going to be liable for that debt for breach of his duty to those creditors to pay them. If it's an unknown debt and he passes it out, then he may not be responsible, but still, until the estate is closed, that heir is going to have to possibly rebate the property that they receive from the estate uh, within that six-month period. If if they're paid within that six-month period, even without notice of, of a debt to a creditor, uh, back to that creditor to pay them back. Complicated, this is. Very complicated. So, so... From what I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of this, each each state is different, can be different. Okay, each county or can be different within that state, from one county to another. There are uniform uh, probate court rules that are adopted by states. State. Oh, so it's more of a state thing than it is a local thing. Then the, the the local aspect of this really depends upon the jurisdiction that uh, you choose to file a will for probate or to go to court. Okay, because that was my that's where I was sort of going with this. You need to 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 go to the location. Like I live in Cobb County, so I need to do Cobb County. And and the judge there in that probate court is Kelly Wolk, 
and she's a very fine judge and you know you have no problem with you know with her knowing the law and what needs to be done it used to be done in in it used to be that in uh, a lot of counties in in uh, Georgia that a lot of the probate judges weren't even lawyers and not that lawyers are so special but at least they're trained in the procedures that you have to follow to you know to to get a will approved and to go to court and to get orders that you may need to run a business to sell property to protect perishable property from being uh, from from being lost and and these are all the mechanics of, of doing the work and what happens is some counties the judges are not I'm not trying to smear any judge anywhere, but some sometimes they don't work as fast as other counties. There, there's more people in the county. There's more work they have to do. They're understaffed. They don't have enough money to do things right away. Other counties, you do things, you file it. Twenty days later, you get an order. Say either amend this or I'm going to dismiss it. So, it, so it's it's all it it the whole thing from what all this stuff and all of this complicated stuff, which is way over my my head. Uh, is preparation. That's the main main thing. If you have a, a, a reasonable sized estate, including old cars and property and stuff, you need to prepare. You need to get ready. You just don't... You know, I, I can't imagine this one guy I was telling you about that's worth huge sums of money and they can't find a will. I can see this going on for a long time. Because there was a lot of verbal promises made. But there's no hard paper on this. And yeah. the foundation guy, yeah, I mean, it's getting going to get really messy. And I'm talking about a huge sum of money. And very complicated. Because uh, there was little or no solid preparation done. Th- that's what I'm getting out of this is, is for somebody. And I don't have a lot, but I have enough that I, I need to prepare. I, you know, if I were to, to 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 die tomorrow, it would be it would be a mess for her to deal with without any preparation. You're you're exactly right. We have described the nightmare that a you know a uh, as someone who stands to inherit property or at least is wanting to see that a either a family member or a close friend's property is is orderly managed and distributed because what you said promises to pay i mean uh if you're a caregiver and you take care of someone uh because their their children are too busy to take care of them and and the and the caregiver is promised you know 10 20 30,000 dollars when the person dies he never writes it down never puts it in his will never makes a special bequest but he's made that promise to you know, numerous people. Oh, if not for you, uh, Bethsaida, you know, I, I, you know, even my own kids don't take care of me. Well, if you don't have a will and spell out and say, this is my last will and testament, you know, that I leave this to so-and-so, this to so-and-so. And the the personal representative may still have to make some determination about these additional promises that were, that were made. But, 
if you have someone who's your personal representative, you basically would want them to be in touch. But it's got to be there. It's got to be, be solid. I mean, it can't be just, you know, well, he told me this once. That ain't going to cut it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you recorded him and and he said, "Would well, you sign this statement?" You don't know that he signed a statement, you know. Uh, and then they pull it out and they say, "Well, he promised this, and I got this in writing because I brought this notary public with me to work." Well, you're a pretty evil, sneaky person, and you really took advantage of it and used undue influence on him, and you should have told. Uh, his power of attorney that you were doing that because you actually had him sign something that he didn't have the capacity to sign and therefore it's no good. I mean, you have a fight on your hands. But you, you, you want to take the steps, one, to protect yourself and protect your estate by having the documents. And, and, that one, and, and, the, and the main thing is you have a will. You have a power of attorney. You have a medical directive, which has a living will component in it. And that's a whole different you know, subject matter about how to do these things. Because if you don't, the state of Georgia has a thing that is your will. It's called intestate secession. And if you, let's say, perhaps die and don't have a wife or kids, but you want to leave something to a stepson or someone who is close to you, but he's not blood kin. Well, intestate secession means it may go to someone who you haven't never met before yeah. because they're a distant relative and they get everything that you would have otherwise left the people that you want to leave it to. All right. Any last quick con- what? Oh, I guess we remember we ran out of time with all of this stuff. It's interesting, but I guess bottom line is preparation. Preparation. Get ready. Yeah. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.